Hi everyone, my name's Dave. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to SportStack Weekly Analysis by AlphaStack, where you can get your weekly discussion on everything SportStack. This is a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at AlphaStack Group. And don't forget to check out our weekly blog posts at www.alphastack.co.uk. Right, enough of the admin. Let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Sportstack Weekly Analysis Podcast. My name is Dave. Jay is with me, as usual. Jay, we've got the career markets open. Uh, everything's live. How are you enjoying the app? Quite well. Um, I think it's, you know, I think as we sort of said, um, I, I really want to say earlier, sort of last week, but it was it was more so the weekend by the time the podcast went out, um, was, you know, how how slick we thought the, the app looked um, and sort of felt and imagined it to be, I suppose. And it's, it's ticked all all the main boxes. There's obviously a couple of bits and bobs that I think have come back through feedback, uh, not just to us or our thoughts, but have been obviously relayed on the Slack channel as well. Yeah, so there is a there is a lot we can actually cover in this podcast. Um, we don't want to ignore the match day exchange entirely. Obviously, that is that's what the podcast has been built on before. But it'd be <laughs> kind of stupid to to do a podcast now and not really focus on the career markets because it's what everyone is talking about. Um, before we get into it, we do want to drop a little disclaimer. We don't represent Sportstack. We've seen a few people maybe confusing us with the official Sportstack account on Twitter. We're not purporting to be Sportstack. Everything we say is our own view and we're operating independently of the platform. We're just two guys kind of documenting and sharing our experiences on Sportstack. And we're trying, you know, trying to help help others with that. So while we're talking about bets that, that we do we we have taken and we do that a lot with the with the match day exchange with the picks and stuff like that we will we'll talk about the bets we'll talk about why we might have taken them we do encourage everyone to do their own research don't rely on us for for tips we are absolutely not a tipping service we're just you know generating discussion and, and essentially having a chat and we love engaging with everyone out there but we don't want to be viewed as um, as tipsters or or telling you what to what you should be doing. Um, so we just wanted to make that clear before we get into into the pod. And actually, on that note, basically for for this pod, we are going to go through. We're going to talk a little bit about the valuation guide that's on the website. If you haven't seen that, hop on the website www.alphastack.co.uk. In the guide section, there are guides for everything in there. On the career market section, there is a player valuation sheet, which is is meant to just be a very brief sort of framework for thinking about how to value players and we're gonna we're gonna sort of touch on that a little bit and then we're gonna talk about a few players that are on the platform already obviously we own some of these players and we'll be clear about the ones we do own what we want to do is give people a flavor of why it is we like a certain player that's and that's all we're trying to do we'll talk about a few few players we don't own as well and it's it's just explaining our thinking we're not going to do this on an ongoing basis because we don't want to be seen as trying to pump the the stuff that we have you know, unless Pete, this that that is what people particularly want to see, and maybe in the future it might be a, a player a week or something. I don't know. Um, we'll we'll kind of uh, work that out as we go, but we just want to be clear that we're not trying to just pump the hell out of the players that we do have, because obviously talking about match day exchange bets is different to these longer term bets, because a match day exchange, you know by the end of the ninety minutes what the result is, and you could you could pump the hell out of a player, but their price never gets high enough for you to be able to cash out. So there is. We recognise there is a difference between the two. All of that stuff out of the way. What has been your favourite thing so far, Jay, about career markets? Probably the fact that on the on the launch pad side of things, there were, I suppose I, I want to say there were some criticisms from users about how high some of these yep. players are coming out at. And I think as as you and I probably knew that Sportstack would, they've seen the feedback, listened to the feedback, recalculated, and you know, Reese James, for example, um, and I know I know we'll touch on it in a bit, but his initial sort of guide price was three seventy to four ten, I think, um, and by the time the sort of uh, the auction, so the the bid period um, between ten and four was live. He was two twenty to two sixty. Yeah. 
So if anybody is ever concerned that, you know, Swartzdak aren't listening to you, they are. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the Swartzdak that we've come to know and love from the match day exchange. Everything, they are hyper-reactive to, to everything that's in Slack. So things that, you know, they, they see as a valid kind of concern, they will deal with. They've implemented that change on based on feedback, and very quickly they've worked out from the from the opening prices of, of the first sixty two players on there uh, what sort of price they need to be aiming for on some of these guys. So yeah, Reese James came out at a really good price, but it's it's great to see them responding so quickly to to the feedback. Um, I I will be interested to see kind of how spreads go as as players are added because obviously you might see the the spread sort loosening a little bit as players are added I, I think i noticed as the as the auctions were being were sort of going into effect and the markets were opening tonight we're obviously recording on monday evening um just after the reese james and curtis jones auctions have been done you kind of noticed the spreads breathing a little bit there and that's something that the sports stack have said they're, they're going to keep an eye on as they go and they will be very careful with how many players and which players are adding to the platform and when to manage that, so that's that's obviously that'll be an interesting thing. To see how it goes. I'm, I'm not concerned about the spread widening on any of my players at this point. Obviously, I've not even played a game since I bought them, so um, you know it's not it's not anything to uh, it's not anything to get overly worried about. But that's that that will just be an interesting thing to see and, and kind of to see how sports that manage that. What do you make of the app so far? You know, looking at it and using it. Um, I think you know, given that, I suppose we're probably. Well, we are day one veterans of the uh, of the match day. Um, it's it's everything that you would expect it to be really clean, not not too overcomplicated. Everything's pretty much where it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. It's it's simple. It's simple. It's slick. It's like I said. It's it's not overcomplicated at all. We both know like the the match day app does. You know, is is very simple. I think the match day app looks great, and obviously they're carried out over to uh, to the career markets app. I think. There are a few measures that they could add in the same way on the match day market. They added um, stuff like biggest movers. That was that came in their, their first update or their first big update in June. So they've got a couple of these things in place on the career markets app. And I think they're just going to add that stuff over time as they realize this is what a user needs. So, I mean, the, the first thing that has been mentioned is being able to see historical dividends on the players that are launching. And obviously that information for anyone who doesn't know is fully available in the match day app um, not with the dividends obviously because dividends don't apply in there but you can see all of their previous scores so you can do a bit of the working out yourself if you want to that stuff is there but they've already said it's on their to-do list to add that in into the career markets app so for any players that are launching you can see exactly what they've won in the past and judge more easily for yourself without having to skip between apps or anything like that so yeah there, there are features like that, that that will get added as you go now going on to the valuation guide the guide is on the website, Jay. It's just there to, mm-hmm. to offer a little bit of a framework kind of to think about. So should we run first over kind of some of the points we cover there? What are the main things to think about if you're con- think, you know, thinking what is a player going to earn over the course of their career? Yeah, so obviously in general, and I suppose this is typical of, of us, is obviously check the historic data of X player uh, to see what they would have one over the sort of last couple of seasons because uh, that's that's always going to play a, a key part in any sort of calculation that you make you know you, you want to know what they have been doing um, whether that's a, an upwards trend or, or a downwards trend because that that will also impact obviously say they earned 20p in 1819 30p in 1920 but let's say already eight games in they're on 12p then, then you could see an upward trend, and therefore, would you pay more for them? Something to always take into account. Um, age, naturally, um, you know, the younger players are going to be worth more because they've got much more time to produce these dividends. Um, but obviously, with age comes a massive risk that any player flops. Obviously. There's, there's so many examples you've got the the most common if you've ever played football manager is Freddie yeah, Adu rolling it back a bit um, I, I, I would dread yeah I, I would dread to think how much he would have been um, on, on the platform could you imagine how, how like crazy that would have been or 
I suppose some more common ones who who did actually play a lot of European football, like Alex Pato yeah. or, or Bojan. Injury prone or rotation players. Um, so I think what we've put in the blog is we've used Sergio Aguero as, as an example, and that's he is injury prone. Pep does rotate a lot, but yes, Aguero is arguably, if not the best striker in the Premier League currently. Um, you know, I, I I imagine Harry Kane would have a, a word to say about that, <laughs> but um, he's he's only averaging less than twenty four Premier League starts a season. So if you're looking for someone like Aguero, yes, he's fully capable of getting a a hundred point payout. Like he's fully capable in that side on his day, he can do whatever he wants. But how many how many times is he actually going to be able to do that over the course of the rest of his Premier League career because obviously especially with him there are rumours that he's just going to bugger off back to Argentina Precisely I mean to layer on top of that obviously we're talking there I suppose about Premier League or League football generally because that's where players will play the majority of their games you've got European football to, to layer on top of that so whether it's Champions League or Europa League obviously Europa League dividends will be half of what the Champions League are um, and then international football as well so it's kind of layering up all those pieces and there's, there's a lot to look into there, and actually we can cover a couple of those things a little bit later on. Um, say a player like Reese James looks like he's got a very promising international career, but there is very hot competition for his spot on the side. So how do you think about that? Our answer on, on a lot of these things, Jay, has basically been to be as prudent as possible in our projections. So, you know, don't assume they're yeah. going to play 45 games a season. Go for maybe 35 or 30 if they've got a slightly dodgy injury history. I don't know. Don't assume they're going to keep up. I mean, maybe Harry Kane started the season earning about four p in dividends per game. Obviously, I don't think I don't think anyone will assume that that's going to carry on for the rest of his career. But that's just a very extreme example. Be conservative in the number of dividends dividends you're expecting them to earn each season. And then we we alluded to it briefly in the guide. You can add a disc, discount factor, and that is we, we don't want to go into the arithmetic of it, but it basically reduces the value that you you count for those dividends way down the line. So if you're assuming a player is earning 40p a year in dividends and they're 23, by the time they're 33, you're assigning a, a much smaller value to those 40p dividends a year um, to account for the for the uncertainty because we don't know what's going to happen by the time, say, Ben Chilwell is 33. So you kind of have a rough idea, but then just discount that. There, there's obviously tons of stuff online in, in yeah. terms of the arithmetic on that and kind of if you want to build an Excel spreadsheet or anything like that, go go ahead. But we don't want to we, we don't want this to become a maths podcast. So that's that's that. Or an accounting podcast. Or an account or an accounting podcast. You are the man <laughs> for that job, Jay. I I think you you've probably got a plan to set up an accounting yeah. podcast on the side. But I'm not. I'm no, no I'm not accounting. <laughs> I was going to say I don't I don't know if I'd be tuning into that. Let's get on then to some of the players on the platform so far. As we said, some of these guys we do own and we'll be clear about that. Um, you'll probably get from the way we talk that we own them. Otherwise, we wouldn't be quite so enthusiastic because we think there is there is some phenomenal value in some of the players that are out there. We are talking here not just about career bets. Obviously, you're betting on the player over the course of their career. But we, we're not expecting these uh, these player values to go in a straight line from where they are now to the exact price. You know, Mark, The whole point of markets is that as information kind of comes out, prices will adjust. So you'll you'll get shorter term price swings. You're not just trading on their career. You'll look at players and think that they look like good value over the course of their career, but also you might want to trade a player for a run of fixtures or for a potential transfer, anything like that. So we are talking, yeah, about a number of factors here and not, not just the nature of the career bet. This does seem to be a very he- Chelsea heavy list because of the players that have been released so far. But I suppose the way Chelsea have started the season, actually, there are some really interesting returners in there. So we'll get onto that in a second. Um, and just to be clear, the yields that we're quoting here, we've, we've run through and grabbed players' buy prices from a, a little before we recorded the pod, so they're roughly right. And we are quoting the dividend return against their buy price. Just to make it simple, but obviously these players you might be able to get slightly cheaper than the price we're quoting here because of the order book system. So let's start off, uh, Jay, with Timo yeah. Werner. He, to us, is the standout player in terms of value on the platform. Hundred percent. When we saw him at two seventy, it was 
it just screamed a, a little bit of value because um, I think for us our and I think our model is quite conservative yeah. anyway um, and obviously we've we've just highlighted that as well when we were talking about the play valuation so our model sort of brought him out at uh, just over four pound wasn't it um, that you would sort of expect to expect for him to return over the course of his career yeah they're all thereabouts yeah and I mean for me I feel that that's really quite conservative largely given the fact that I think Chelsea are actually going to really start to click a lot more now um, with with Ziyech coming back into the side I think Chelsea are more likely to click which is going to give Werner that more of those opportunities um, it's also worth mentioning that he seems to have taken penalties off Jorginho, yeah. which just screams a huge has, amount has Jorginho, he's missed at least one this season. It might even be two. And he, Timo at least took a couple of them in the in the Champions League game against Wren, I think it was, a couple of weeks ago. So he looks he looks yeah. to be the penalty taker, which you know just adds a lot of chances in, in his day and age, the way penalties are, the way they're, uh, they're handed out so, so freely that adds a lot of value to a player and you know we've addressed that in the match day market is gonna is gonna work out that way in uh in the career market as well i guess he's Werner. that's the thing i mean he hasn't really he's not really firing just yet is he he's scored a few goals a few of them have been from the spot uh but it's not it's not like he's banging in goals and even in those early games where people are sort of saying Where's Werner? Where's Havertz? Like they they haven't quite hit the ground running. Werner in those games, I think maybe won a couple of penalties, but he was getting scores very close to fifty. Um, I think sort of high forties. He's got Premier League, the Champions League. They look like they're going to be getting to the knockouts. You know, they've drawn one, one, two, and won won those two quite heavily. So you know, they've now got to get the reverse fixtures against Ren and Krasnodar, and assuming they walk through those very easily, they're they're absolutely fine. Euros in the summer is another thing to, to think about. You know, there are a few more fixtures there and he'll be playing for a team that is going to be a, probably one of the top four teams, top five teams in, in the tournament. So he's got a fair chance of adding on another six fixtures, perhaps. Yeah, six or so games. Um, I mean, sort of, you know, th- there will come a point where I suppose every, every game counts to certain people. Um, so you know because pe- people want to extract as much value or they will want the chance to extract as much value out of each player yes. as humanly possible so for, for every game that I suppose Chelsea and Germany get through in terms of uh, knockout level football that's huge because that, that just gives him another opportunity yeah exactly uh, the final thing that we wanted to make a note of is the risk of him or players generally leaving the Premier League and going to one of the other European leagues or worse yet out of any of the European leagues at all that Mm. obviously is potentially a massive hindrance to a player's price the risk that they leave and then if they do their earnings are cut in half um, because of the the two-tier dividend structure in respect to Timo Werner obviously he's arrived this summer and things are going reasonably well so far I think the the risk of him leaving in the immediate future is is close to none, and beyond that, you don't really know. But he 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 could be the sort of player that ends up staying in the Premier League for most of, if not his entire career. So I don't imagine you'll see that that might hold his price back, but I don't think it should personally for the time being. That's that's where I'd, I'd expect the market to reach probably a, a more fair price on him because I think he's still undervalued now and then once it gets to a more fair price maybe you start to see some rumours in a couple of years about Bayern are interested in, in him or something like that that's when you start to see the price adjust for that risk and then yeah. then because the dividend earnings potential there is the, the difference between if he stays at Chelsea or goes to Bayern is quite significant then you might start to see some quite big moves we don't really know we'll find out in, in due course but that's something I think that would be quite yeah. interesting with Bayern because um, yes you could 100% argue that his potential yield is I suppose cut in half but Bayern walk that league like and 
he could easily go around there scoring 40 goals a season and therefore he could be getting a point score of 80, 90 a game. Yeah, I mean, when you when we look at what Robert Lewandowski's yeah, doing in, in that it's, league, it's, it's probably not out of his reach. Yeah, exactly. Lad's only 24 at the moment. Yeah, he's got plenty of years left, hasn't he? Let's hop on to Jack Grealish, who's his dividend, dividend returns this season are the highest out of anyone who is available on the platform. He's returned 32p already, so that's a 9.1% yield so mm-hmm. far this season. He's, he's currently around about the £3.50 mark. This run of form that he's been on is is absolutely insane, and that's you know partly because he's in a Villa team that is playing very well. Whether Villa and he can continue that is a question that probably a lot of people should be asking themselves. Jay, do you think that he's just actually finding his feet and he's, or maybe maybe he's just gone under the radar and he's been this good for a really long time? Obviously, we saw it last season to a degree, and this season he's really cementing that status as probably the best player outside the top six. Do you, do you think he is just finding his feet? Do you think his form will fade away dramatically, or what? What do you think is going on? I think Villa just looked better. Uh, you know, I, I suppose last season he he was standout when you looked at Villa in isolation last year. Like, and he still stand out when you look at Villa in isolation this year. Like, there's no comparison in that side. But because Villa has have strengthened in a number of areas, or they they're just actually playing a hell of a lot better. His his performances look better because Villa aren't losing a number of games in a row. They're they're picking up points and they're I mean look they demolished Liverpool, but they they're also playing very well in every you know near enough every other game which you see things a slightly different way and oh actually Grealish is looking a hell of a lot better, and look how Villa are doing rather than Villa doing crap. But do you know what like Grealish is their standout player. The perception is completely different. Is is of him leading a team that could actually go somewhere rather than the team that is trying to stay up, for example. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's that's fair enough. I mean, he's he's obviously finally broken into the England squad in the last few months, and he's <laughs> he's it's fair to say he's taken like that to sort of like a duck to water. So I think I think the signs are obviously very good for him. So while this form at the start of the season is is exceptional. I don't imagine there's a significant tail off, and you know his injury his injury history is a bit mixed. He's had kidney a kidney problem that kept him out for a while and stuff like that. But you know he's he was fit for pretty much the whole of last season. I don't know how I feel about saying a player is shaken off their injury troubles. I don't know if that's actually medically a thing, uh, but <laughs> but he seems to be playing very consistently. You know he's he, I think he missed two games last season, so he yeah. he managed to stay fit then. So hopefully, you know, if his if his body holds up, then he's looking like he could be really good value. The transfer question with Grealish is is a an interesting one because he is a, a Villa boy through and through, and you know he said on numerous occasions, you know, this is my club, this is the team I want to play for. If a bigger team maybe comes in, maybe not this season, I don't know, um, but a little bit further down the line, that could be a, a boost to his uh, to his yield anyway. I mean he does get a hell of a lot of the ball at Villa so we don't know exactly how that one will play out yeah that could be a, that could be a 50-50 like he could go to Spurs uh, just as a hypothetical example and not quite be the main man yeah um, and therefore he, he's not getting the ball as often but will he will he have a little bit more freedom I suppose and therefore maybe not the one instigating all the moves but maybe he'd be the one on the end of the moves more often so would that be a fair a fair trade-off sort of thing he's not going to get fouled enough because he doesn't have the ball as much but is he making up for that with proper goal contributions all the time yeah yeah that's a fair question I mean the final thing Um, on that is I suppose that Villa could make Europa League spots this year the way things are going it's probably going to play down the possibility possibility of a transfer it will also Mm -hmm. give him more dividend eligible games to play in so that's that's another point and so you did then expect him to, to still be at Villa next season um, you know if the type of player yeah. he is you know being highly technical you, he's, he's clearly got a good engine but you don't consider him to be sort of hyper athletic he's not he's not really quick his sort of game will age very well and he could easily return more in dividends when he's 32 33 than he does now just because you know if you, th- if you think about sort of 
what Santi Cazorla, for example, has done at Villarreal, even older than, than 33, I think. Grealish is the sort of player that, that will age, should age very well, assuming his body holds up. So that is a, another point to consider. The final yeah. thing, and this leans rather away from the, the career market aspect, is just looking at the run of fixtures that Villa have coming up. And you've got in there Brighton at home, West Ham away, Newcastle at home, Wolves away, Burnley at home, West Brom away, Palace at home in the next seven games. And that just stands out as there are there, there's a chance in there that he could yield dividends in five, six, maybe seven out of the next seven games, just based on the opposition. Big time. And apologies because I know Palace are in there. But that <laughs> is mind. probably anyone's dream run of fixtures right now maybe barring Wolves slap bang in the middle and Burnley because you know that's going to be a bit of a tougher game to break to break them down but everyone else in that run of fixtures like if, if I was Jack Grealish I would be so looking forward to the next to that run of fixtures like I if 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 I wanted to either help Villa qualify for Europe or put my name out there even more this is this is the time to do it yeah and when I mean the way that translates to sports stack is if he returns in seven in the next seven games people will be buying him that's mm. that's kind of the way I guess we we've seen it with him um, so yeah Timo and Greedish are both players that we own the next that we want to talk about a little bit was Ben Chilwell and just to be clear on that we do also own him uh, the now injured Ben Chilwell unfortunately yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean this you know he's I suppose he's in a very similar situation to Werner in that for a, from a sports like perspective he looked quite good for Leicester last season um, but I think he looks a hell of a lot better for Chelsea this season yes Working off a small sample size, but he has been very yeah. impressive. I think it's eight, it's eight games he's played so far. He's already returned 15p. Um, yeah, so which is his, huge. Yeah, price price of £3.10. He's, he's returned 4.8% so far this season in eight games. So assuming he's not out for for a particularly long time with this with this back issue, you know, I mean, we're, we're looking at hoping he'll be fit for Saturday. Um, in truth, it, you I know, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I have, I have no idea. I was looking at it today, and oh, there was there was a headline saying England issue update on Ben Chilwell, and it was he's hurt his back. I don't know how bad it is, and I was like, that's not even an update, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's what we all know. <laughs> yeah, we, we already knew that was happening. His his dividend return so far has been really impressive. He's on course to be a top tier left back for the next eight to ten years, based on the way he's playing so far. And I think I think people saw that, you know, at Leicester even a couple of years ago that that, that was the way his career was going to go but he's he's really settled in well at Chelsea he's had two ATP yeah. payouts already this season and one of those he he actually didn't get the top player bonus which you know is this is very unlucky uh, that would have been an, another another couple of p on top there um, but he's going to be playing Premier League Champions League and probably international football for the next 10 years and I mean, it's it's a bit weird. There's there seems to be so many questions around like the left back slot for England at the moment. He he is the the shoe in for that position in the end. I think, I mean, he he's obviously in a much better position than the likes of, let's say, Trent and Rhys James, because where left backs are concerned for England, there's not a huge amount more, is there? No, I mean, even but, even recently, you've seen Saka's filled in there and and done a you know I really rate Saka as a player um, but he is one of these players that's becoming known for his versatility he isn't an out and out left back or left wing back um, and Kieran Trippier has even played there recently for England so yeah, yeah there, there aren't there aren't many options so I think he's in a much better position at least for international and yes you can argue that's that's not a huge amount of games um, but like we said earlier it, it it is likely to get to a point where every game counts yeah, and why? Why shouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, so saying this, as I've bought him and he's got injured, and I'm crying because he's probably not going to play on Saturday. <laughs> well, I mean that's that's the thing. So this is you know this is another reason to this is a reason to account for players missing 
a few games at least every season and you know most players will probably sustain at least an injury that keeps them out for two three months in their career if not if not more so you need to factor that into your analysis when you're just looking at very simply is this player worth the price i'm paying um so that's why we're you know we're encouraging a bit of uh, a bit of pessimism i suppose when you're pricing these players he's been on He's been on set pieces for Chelsea this season, which you know adds to that argument for for him hitting those really decent peak scores. You know, if he's got a great opportunity for assist, you know, that's an extra ten points that he wouldn't get if he wasn't taking a corner or a free kick. And particularly, you know, he's he's got Hakim Ziyech in the team there with him, who his delivery from open play is absolutely outrageous. Um, he's he's shown that enough times this season. And he's still taking the set pieces, so that that to me just is a bit of a statement. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've said this on match day market where we're considering going long on players. Players who are on set plays instantly screen value on the match day market because anything can happen from a corner, anything can happen from a from a free kick. So it's it's all about having that those extra bits of points. And if he's taking set pieces, then yeah, why wouldn't you want him? At the end of the day, Chelsea have got a guy like Thiago Silva in the box from the corners. Yeah, Thiago Silva and even Kurt Zuma, I think they've. I think Zuma may have well, two, or, yeah. two or three goals to his name this season. Silva scored against Sheffield United, so... After I sold him. <laughs> yeah, timing on that one was unreal. Yeah. Well played, um, well played. Yeah, cheers for that. <laughs> let's, let's move swiftly on. Yeah, so, um, Joao Cancelo uh, is one that we don't have, but he seems to be one that a lot of traders liked uh yeah. i think he came on the platform at around 82 84 maybe even 86 p to buy i think 86 um, was the first the first number i saw on him i think uh if it was okay. even lower than that then fair enough but possibly i'm, I'm not 100 percent certain but you know he, he's up to 96 now so he's he's had a fit a fairly big rise um you know a 3.1 percent roughly yield on his seven starts which Considering he plays for you know Man City, who are notorious for rotating their players, um, I don't think that's something that you can knock. No, no. I mean the the thing with him, and I mean the reason why I I left it alone, and I'm looking at it now, maybe thinking, should I have got in? And you've got this question of, is it too late to get in? I don't know. Um, the reason why I left him out is because of. Pep's rotation, particularly of left backs, you know, you've seen spells with Zinchenko playing that position or Mendy playing that position, and Cancelo is by trade a right back, and he, I mean, in previous teams he has played right wing or he's played left back as well. We know he can fill in there, but just him, him being very slightly a square peg in a round hole, makes me wonder how long he's he's going to be in that position, and that's why I decided to leave it alone. But saying that, he's played. I mean, he started the last four league games um, sprinkling a couple of uh, Champions League games there so he's not even he's not even getting rotated so he's he's actually played 90 minutes pretty much in a lot of these games so fair enough if he does um, sort of cement his pace there as, as left back then he certainly is valued because he's only 26 so he's got plenty of years there yeah. to, to start making returns and actually one of his I think he might have just he might have paid out a dividend in the Champions League um, in that last game, he came off the bench and scored. So you know he's he's getting in positions, the positions that you want a fullback to um, to to start returning dividends. Yeah, he's very he's very attack minded, isn't he? I suppose he's a slightly older, slightly more rotated player than Ben Chilwell. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of in a nutshell, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I mean, I. I I think sort of the more I talk about it, the more I'm just thinking like, why did I not bother? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as, as as we talk about it, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. You know, he's got Euros in there as well uh, with Portugal, yeah, and exactly. I think with Portugal he will he'll easily be first choice. Yeah. So that's yeah, I mean that's that's certainly one to think about, and some people will have uh, will have will have done well off him so far. Next up, uh, James Wall Prowse, who is a heartthrob on the exchange for a lot of people a lot of people absolutely love trading him he had a little bit of a slow start to the season but his last few performances have been much better 
the game against Everton and then the game against Villa, he got three goals in those two games for himself, and that was when he started to to get noticed again. And you know, he's got his England appearance now; he's on the fringe of the England squad. Um, so he's another guy, yeah, that we we don't own. But at two thirty four, he's yielded thirteen p already this season. Yeah. You know, his performance on match day markets, it, it translates pretty well, I'd say, to career markets. This is a, a level of performance that we've seen him we've seen him hold up last season. Do you think he's he's interesting value at two thirty four? I think he's interesting value, yeah, for sure. Um he's not I mean, like he's not in my portfolio, not because I don't think he's value I think there's potentially better value elsewhere which is why he's not in my portfolio yeah um but yeah I mean if he keeps showing out these kind of performances and you know the fact Danny Ings is going to be out for uh, what is it another three four weeks some, something around there yeah um yeah that that could either go one of two ways for uh for Ward Prowse because either he has to step up and take more responsibility which means that you know he's more involved and that's great um or southampton's performances just tail off completely for the next three weeks and obviously that would then impact his performance and the amount of dividends that he's winning yeah he's grown into his role as southampton captain right and and people are taking notice of him more than maybe they were last season um he's now i guess it's probably fair to say he's on the fringe of the england setup he's had his he had an appearance I think it was the last international break so the prospect of the Euros in the summer potentially makes him an, an interesting bet yeah yeah because you know he could have those extra games um, you know it's, Southampton could make you the Europa League as well yeah um, or he could get a move to a you know a better club um, but at the same time it's that sort of same situation that you've got with Grealish where if if the move does happen Will his payouts actually be positively impacted or negatively? Like, how, how is it going to play out? Yeah. Well, I suppose one of the things that people are looking at, particularly more recently in that Villa game, we stuck two free kicks in uh, in the oh, top corner, yes. and you know that. I mean, people on Sports Night probably would have noticed more because he put them past Martinez, who is you know was becoming a favourite to bet on. Um, <laughs> That side of his game, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, you want him standing over a free kick. Uh, someone, I can't remember who, compared his technique a little to David Beckham. That is an element of his game that will give him huge value. If he, you know, if he's that dangerous over a dead ball, that's a side that's, you know, it's not going to disappear. 100%. Christian Pulisic is the final player that we wanted to talk about. So another Chelsea player, but not one that we own. He's £2.40. The, the big question mark that we both had here. I think Jay was was his injury history. So last season he started nineteen games, yielded around about twenty p. Um, we don't know exactly on the top player bonuses, but in that game where he scored a hat trick against Burnley, paid out ninety one p. So you can be certain he he got a top player bonus there. It might have been twenty two because I think the next game he paid out seventy odd. Not bad going, given Chelsea weren't fantastic all year. But where do you stand on him? Is it one that you just you're not interested in because you don't know if he can stay fit or is it a punt you might take uh, see I I love watching him like I, I love watching him on, on the pitch but for me I don't think I would want to take that sort of career style bet on him because of his injury record and the fact that Chelsea quite like to rotate their wide players which, I mean, for, for me, that's just a bit of a red flag. Um, you know, if, if I'm looking to, you know, bet on these players, I'm, I'm looking for these players to either be starting or I'm, I'm picking up, you know, a 19-year-old startler who's just breaking through in the first team and therefore I'm, I'm looking for the, the real long-term. Like, I'm not expecting this kid to start week in, week out. But if I'm paying £2.40 for Christian Pulisic... I want him to be starting every game. The thing I suppose he does have in his favour that I I guess every now and again I forget he's only I think twenty two, so he's got he's got years ahead of him. To me, it's the the injury history um, is is concerning because you 
you don't know how long he, he could stay fit for in it. You know, if he if he could stay fit, he could easily be based on you know the stuff we've looked at, probably like a three pound fifty player, particularly in that Chelsea side where they are they are improving um, drastically. And I suppose on the on the point of of the rotation at Chelsea amongst the wingers, I think if he was fit, he would he would be starting most games because he particularly towards the end of last season was looking like probably their star player. For me personally, all I remember is William picking up penalty after penalty um, at the back end of last <laughs> season. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, I I can't comment for certain because I'll be honest. Like I said, the the one thing I remember is is William from last season. So yeah, I, I suppose there is that potential though. But yes, maybe he isn't the one to get rotated, and maybe um you know maybe it'll be someone else who gets rotated more often i could see it moving towards particularly over the next couple of years um a front three ideally of of Ziyech, Werner and Pulisic obviously between them they cost a fair amount of money and i'd, I'd imagine in <laughs> frank lampard's dream world they would be the three that start very regularly but yeah. we yeah we we don't know and uh, i mean fair enough if you if you didn't i i did i didn't check him out particularly closely the bits that stuck in my mind were the goal he scored against man city um, you know that was a, that was a piece of a piece of play that I think is, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a flash of brilliance. Um, and then the performance off the bench against Liverpool. I think he paid out fifty one p. I think he had a golden assist. Um, and obviously, they're, I mean, they're big games to yeah. to really be turning up in. So that's that's all quite promising. Um, it's it's weighing up the the injuries it, for me is yeah the massive thing. But I do feel yeah. like a, a bit of a broken record saying the word injury so many times. <laughs> Launches, um, new player launches. The the platform in respect to the number of players on there um, is is going to grow pretty rapidly to begin with. We've had two player launches today, and there are more scheduled throughout the week. Um, we've got visibility up to Monday next week now. So, um, one thing that has been raised on Slack, Jay, is the information that's available to users when they're putting offers in on the auctions or putting bids in sorry on the auctions um, yes. is, is what they can see and who they know they're bidding against sort of thing yeah so some of the points raised and also I'll sort of just um, just run through them so knowing the amount of shares that are available per player in each IPO so sort of the, the number so I suppose the maximum number of shares that Sportstack are going to mint in between that price, uh, in, in between that guide price range, um, some people also want to know who's bidding and how much they're bidding. Um, also, maybe even just a total number of bids on on that sort of auction, um, as as opposed to seeing everything in terms of who and how many they bid for and how how much they bid and, and all of that. Um, yeah. and something that I think I've thought of which would probably make the, the bidding process a little bit more competitive is the total number of shares that have been bid for by the users because you, you could argue okay if, if Sportstack are going to show say the the total number of bids you could say alright let's just multiply that by 100 because uh, that's, the, that's the maximum but not everybody's going to be playing with 100 shares at a time so showing the total number of shares that have been bid for alongside the total number of shares available let's hypothetically say i don't know harry kane ten thousand shares like let's just throw that number out there say it's three hours into the into the bid zone um and you know that there's been say 3,000 bids on him and the the total number of shares in those 3,000 bids are say 16,000 are yeah. you then going to try and lowball to get a player cheap or are you actually going to bid that little bit higher because you know it's going to be fully subscribed yeah I mean the the numbers out there are going to are probably going to dictate your behaviour um, quite a little heavily. bit more yeah, yeah, it will, it will certainly it will certainly play a part. I mean, one thing that struck me as you said that is, if if you can see how many shares bidders have 
bid for between them, you're basically in a better position to to inform um, inform yourself on what price you want to pay at the end of the window than you are halfway through. So almost you, you have a six-hour window, and in the end, everyone's yeah. going to be like, I'm going to leave it till the last five minutes because I want to know exactly how many people have bid. If you have more could information, be <laughs> it, could, it could be. It could be. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way of um, a way of sort of safeguarding against that happening. Um, off yeah. the top of my head, I, there isn't anything. I've, I've literally thought of this uh, right now as I'm sort of, I'm sort of speaking um, as I think. But yeah, you could you could end up with all of the bids going in right towards the end of the window. Um, players, guys who bid at the start could be. Well, they could get really unlucky one way or the other. They could end up massively overbidding. overbidding. Maybe they've had to go on shift um, and work at the start of the window and they've just had to go, all right, I'm going to whack this bid in and see what happens. And then it ends up being really undersubscribed and the uh, price opens right at the bottom end, end of the range. And that would be really annoying. But at the same time, if you're willing to pay that price, then you should be fine with it. Well, I was, I was going to say there are, there are kind of two games at hand and one is just the simple game of sort of you against... Um, in this case, sports stack who are minting the shares, but is is you against the person you're buying off, um, and then the other one is you against the other users in an auction. So it's how is how they both play out. And obviously, if you're looking in very fundamental terms of if the guide price was two pound to two pound forty, and I thought a player was worth two pound fifty, I certainly wouldn't be bidding at two pound forty anyway, um, because I don't I don't think that upside is worth it. <laughs> but yeah, I think in a very fundamental sense, if you think a player is worth a vast amount more than the than the guy price then you're probably not going to sweat too much if you pay £2.40 and then the market opens at £2.30 it's, it's, it's really not that you know the end of the world to me but yeah it, it it'll be that. a slight kick in the teeth of course it would because you know you think oh, I, I could have got X player lower um, and obviously like we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute with um, the, sort of the one player that I bid for was Reese James but we'll like I said we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute um, I suppose the other thing with the launch pad is, uh, and obviously as we as we said at the the start of the podcast, the the bid zones have been lowered, which is a, it's a really nice move by Sportstack. Not saying like they're being generous or anything, but they they've listened to some of the feedback that was sort of um, put out there on Slack in terms of pl- players are a little bit too high. Um, there's there's no value in them, so nobody's gonna buy them. And then you know, sports have gone. Okay, let's let's recalculate, I suppose, and and yeah, lowered the prices. And obviously, in in the case of Reese James, by one pound fifty, um, on both ends, which is yeah. it's, it's a big drop. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a big recalculation. If you think think about how long it would take to pay out one hundred and fifty p in dividends, um, for most mm-hmm. players, it would it would be a very long time. So. Um, yeah, I mean that's 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 a massive move, and it is it's just, it's really nice to see that they are listening. Um, as you say, you so you you bid on you bid on Reese James, and you were yes. successful. I was successful. Um, so obviously, I suppose it's the first time that we've ever really experienced uh, an auction or, or an IPO like that. Obviously, we've been on um other platforms where it's is very much fastest finger first um in the past so this yeah. this was something completely new and i wanted to i wanted to play around with it a little bit so i actually i bid <clears throat> i bid 50 shares at £2.36 and i bid 50 shares at £2.44 now yes we can all argue that i should have just bid 100 shares at £2.40 because that's basically what i ended up doing um, but I just wanted to see, like, with that sort of eight p spread that I put in there between my two bids, like, would the market come somewhere in the middle, and therefore I'd only get some of them, or would would I actually get fully subscribed? Um, and just just trying to play around with it a little bit because it's it's quite interesting. Obviously, I did get fully subscribed, and I think from what I've seen on Slack, the lowest. Sort of the lowest accepted bid was two pounds thirty four. Right. Okay. So, I suppose my cheeky lowball bid wasn't quite lowball enough by two p. <laughs> and obviously, my I suppose in in my head the more reasonable bid of two pound forty four was over the mark by you know ten p, which is roughly four or five percent. 
these auctions obviously you can you can look at them as a competition where the winner is the person who pays the least i suppose i'd probably look at it in, in a very simple term i hadn't considered you know who actually paid lowest like i, I didn't know if, if that information was out there um and yeah looking at slack you might um you might get an idea i'd just not want to if i paid to, if i i figured I'd pay, if i paid bang in the middle um, which i did i i bid at two pound 40 i figured if i went bang in the middle i'm not I'm, I'm mitigating the risk of not getting the shares and i'm also mit- somewhat mitigating the risk of not overpaying massively and in the end that worked out quite nicely um and I'm, i yeah. mean i'm kind of thinking through as we go how would all some of these things change if you have the information in front of you that we talked about earlier the number of shares that users are bidding for the number of shares that sports stack will be offering would you have bid higher like if you if you knew i mean i we don't know how many shares in total um i mean given that it's you know platform three days old i probably i mean i think i would like to say somewhere under maximum say four or five thousand maybe I, I don't know it's it's, um, it's really tough to tell and I, I mean we should we should say at this point we don't know what sports stacks um view on it is yeah, how, yeah. how how predetermined the number is um we, we don't yeah. we don't know that so we're kind of we really are just guessing here yeah um but if, if you saw a number of shares available let's you know whatever that number might have been would you have bid more than two pound forty like if you looked at it and thought right that number's a bit low for my liking like so i'm gonna bid more because i i do want reese james in my portfolio so let's go over that two pound forty mark a little bit uh honestly i don't know i mean i feel like these these sort of blind auctions are so um it's tricky right it's 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 very tricky this is this is basically it's game theory it's it's totally game theory and kind of what you think um what you think other people will be doing in the end in the end i think i I think probably probably the easiest thing is to just lean on going to the mid price and the only thing that might change is if you see an auction that is a bit more heavily subscribed then maybe you stagger your bids at different levels the way you did there um i I, Mm -hmm. i'm not sure um i suppose a little a little uh psa actually from that is that we so if anyone hasn't already done this you can cancel your bid once you've placed it by yeah. the looks of the little the little cross on there yes you can cancel it and you can replace it the only thing you can't do is essentially you can't say have four different bids for 100 shares yeah so you, you have orders in for 100 shares total and you can split that however you want at whatever price levels you want within the guide price yeah cool Reese James very quickly then what we what we're going to do here is run through what we what we see on the launch pad um, from in terms of the players the two players that have been launched today as well as the players that are coming up and just mention very briefly why you might be interested in buying a player um, you know mm-hmm. what what they have going for them so start off with Reese James I mean to me he is he's in a similar boat to Ben Chilwell but he's he's three years younger um, so before. The, the, the opening guide price when it was over, over four pounds at the top end I thought was a little high when it was lowered the first time then I was like okay we're, we're, we're talking something more interesting here um, when he when he was two pounds two pounds sixty I thought that that's that's kind of a must have in my book in that Chelsea side he's he's going to get forward plenty and have his share of goal involvements and basically over the course of a career that's kind of all you can ask for and as we say he's like Ben Chilwell because he has the, the three the three prongs of, of Premier League football, European football and international football. The only thing for me there is the, the amount of competition in the England side at right back. Um, but he's, he's done quite well so far. I, I would agree with everything that you've just said, in all honesty. Um, oh. Because, yeah, very similar to Joel, but yeah, has that competition at international level for, for right back. And I mean, at the moment, the competition does seem particularly fierce because you've got... Um, You've got Kieran Trippier and even Carl Walker still kicking around. I think Walker played uh, right back as recently as the internationals in September when he got sent off, possibly. But then obviously long run, you've got Trent, you've got Wambasaka who hasn't even had a look in yet. I mean, I guess you've also got like Matty Cash, um, Carl Walker-Peters who are, you know, probably going to end up being very good right backs, may just never be quite the level enough to play for England. Breeze changes fundamentally, he's got all of the all of the bits you want to see and that price at that age to me looks very good Curtis Jones was the other launch and he's another youngster he's 19 years old he was £1.80 to £2 
Um, how do you see Curtis Jones, Jay? I can't, to be honest, I can't say I've done enough research on him um, to, to, I suppose, to give a proper opinion. You know what I have seen of him in the Premier League this year. It's been quite good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think I can say that I know enough about him to formulate a, a full or valid opinion on him. Unfortunately. No, that's fair enough. <laughs> to, to be fair, I'm not I'm not in a much different position. I mean, my my sort of short analysis of him would be that he. You see him as a midfielder, I think, getting in the box plenty, which is what you what you'd want from a midfielder. Um, it's sort of thing that Bruno and, and KDB do plenty, and that's where they get their, their really decent payouts from. So that's yeah. a very promising sign. Um, at nineteen years old, at two pound, I think is I think his market opened at two two oh two. He's got plenty of time to to pay those dividends back, and those opportunities are starting to come in the near term. You know he's already got a fair amount of playing time this season and some some decent payouts like it's some decent base scores when he has started. The injury issues at Liverpool that have drawn various midfielders into their backline. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna open up opportunities for him and and you know Klopp hasn't shied away from using him so far this season. So I think he's a he's a very interesting prospect and at the moment really it's just a case of me having cash in my account and and bearing in mind that there are new players being added so I don't want to be um, fully invested too much of the time I'd say. So tomorrow so Tuesday probably people might have listened to this by the time they've already bid for for Kai Havertz and Paul Pogba possibly if you mm-hmm. want to bid want to bid for Paul Pogba. Um, we'll get on to him in a second Kai Havertz, how do you how do you see him with a, with a guy price of 280 to 310? I'm not I'm not sure. Like I I love Kai Havertz and I have loved watching him play for Leverkusen for you know the last two three seasons, but him playing at Leverkusen and him playing at Chelsea are two very different things. At Leverkusen, he was the main man; everything went through him. He's not the main man at Chelsea; not everything's going to go through him. He's not the penalty taker, but he is young. He's got at least I would say twelve. 13 if not more because he's not necessarily the most physical player and he doesn't rely on his physical attributes it's his technical attributes he could end up like Michael Ballack who played until what mid mid 30s so he, he does have a huge amount of time to pay that back he does and obviously he's going to be doing that at the very top level as well like I mean all the Chelsea players that we mentioned basically you know I think yeah. he's he's so highly regarded for Germany people have talked about him being Germany captain for, for years to come he's that kind of character in Germany, yeah, that does raise you know slight concern of does he go back to Germany at some stage? As with Werner, you know he's he's arrived in England at the same time. I think you could probably say it's not an immediate concern. Um, it'll be something that people want to think about in the in the longer run. His mm-hmm. his scores have been improving. Obviously, he had a horrendous start, which um, which worked out nicely for us at the start of the season in the match day market. Um, <laughs> But he start he started to find his feet a bit. He's he's got his first goal, and I mean he has played a couple of games with Zayat coming in on the right wing. I think Lampard's got more of that front three that he wanted, so that's allowed Havertz to play more centrally. So he's starting to get better payouts in there. So that's that's um it's an interesting one for me, but I don't think I'm going to be jumping on it the same way I have um say with Reese James. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um... Pogba is that a, a straight not for me for me it's a not for me yeah yeah it's it's a, it's a no for me too um, Ferran Torres well, Ferran Torres is an interesting one he's yeah 20 years old and he's already played pretty much across that front line for Man City and he's already producing Pep mm-hmm. clearly likes him he's, he's done enough to to force his way into that rotation which is about as much as anyone can do unless your name's Raheem Sterling because he he's he has been playing he's been playing pretty much every game this year, but Torres has stepped up when they've had injury concerns and he's been very good. So you're kind of looking at that in theory, in sort of best case scenario, is he could he could be at City for the rest of his career in the same way you know David Silva did did ten seasons there. It's it's a really interesting one actually that that I might dabble with, but we'll see. For me for me to bid on him on the launch pad is probably too soon because I want to see him start producing yeah. more. Uh, before I before I go and pay that for him um, but you know 
it it is uh, it is what it is, and if you're willing to take that that punt on him, I I don't think I can really blame you. Um, you know, it, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Tammy, Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham on Friday. Okay, um, one pound thirty to one pound sixty guy price. I have to admit, I haven't even looked back at his payouts. My instinctive reaction is no, I don't want to buy him. That might partly be because it really conflicts with my intense desire to short him every opportunity on the match day exchange. Um, <laughs> I think I think the problem I have with that is that in an ideal world, he wouldn't be Chelsea's first choice striker, and yeah. I'm not convinced he's a good enough forward to lead the line that successfully for another Premier League team at the moment. I think I think you know he's lifted by the the, the good players around him, but if in a couple of years' time he ends up at a mm-hmm. mid-table Premier League team, I'm I'm not sure he's good enough. That's my personal view. Yeah, I, I mean, me personally, I think he could end up a little bit like um, Daniel Sturridge. Not not with the injury record, but I know that's hampered Daniel Sturridge's career massively. But that move from from the top club and then it just sort of goes a little bit downhill after you leave that top those top clubs because you, you don't get the chances, you don't get the the number or the quality of chance, and therefore your your goal output just tends to drop off a little bit. But again, we could be completely wrong. He could absolutely smash it. Um, and obviously at that point then, £1.30 to £1.60 probably looks like a huge amount of value. You know, Abraham could have a you know a breakout season. He could find himself put into a role that really works for him. And all of a sudden, £1.60 might be valued. But I think even, yeah, £1.30, I'm not too interested. I think there is there is a large part of this, with it being a career market and you being able to follow the players, there is kind of um, an interest in I like that player and he looks decent value, so I'm gonna I'm gonna buy him just so that I can enjoy watching him on match days. It will make it will make watching games more fun if you can get behind the players that you want. You know, yeah, you, you would want to see succeed anyway. So that that's kind of, that's kind of nice. Um, we've mentioned Aguero already on the pod. He is going to be launched on Friday, eighty p to a pound. So you're you're talking. But probably the first player actually of that kind of type on the platform as in a bit older so quite cheap um could easily play top level for the next three or four years you know like if you if you're talking like a, a miroslav closer who was a deadly finisher and unreal positioning aguero's game is slightly different but he's got the quality to to still be scoring goals in three years time do you have any interest in in taking a punt on on older players like that, Jay? Not for that price. If it, it, it's hard because I I love Sergio Aguero, but he's I mean at, at this age, if he's if you're looking at halving that, so maybe forty to fifty p, I I would probably consider it because for me, you would have to factor in the risk of all of these rumours that were going around in the summer that you know at the end of his contract he's just gonna bugger off to Argentina that 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 would be my concern and you know 40 to 50p I would risk that because I know that he he would probably claw back at least 40% of that um, this season I'm just looking at his performance last year and obviously as we mentioned with the injury history is there are gaps in his in his chart um, on the match day app at least but he went on a run at the start of the season where he paid out 74 78 50 71 so you know if he gets on a little run like that without even including the top player bonuses and off the top of my head so bear with me 8 9 14p in four games you're probably going to struggle to to sell him at a profit on that you know people he's he's not going to rise massively off the back of a run like that because people maybe expect it of him and they're still wary they're still wary of him being old and all of a sudden they've missed out on, on a nice little run where they could have they could have got a payout, but you could take those dividends and sell him um, afterwards, probably uh, around the same price. You know, his price is going to hold up in that kind of environment, I expect. And then there was a game against Villa last year where he paid he paid out 115p. Yeah, he had his he had his hat trick there, and then the next game actually scored a break against Palace as well and paid out 67. So then all of a sudden in two games he's done. He's definitely got a top player in the, in that Villa game, so that's 18p, and then another three in the in the following game, so 21p in two games. 
Um, so it's it's whether you fancy going for a little bit of a sort of adrenaline or dopamine hit like that, I suppose. We can't not talk about Wilfred Zaha very briefly. If we're talking about players that you kind of enjoy watching and want to see do well, if only for that reason, I will I will have a dabble in the Wilfred Zaha market. Um, but he's you know he's looking vastly improved this season, so I I quite like the that that sort of price range on him, fifty five to eighty p. Like in all honesty, it's not a bad price. Yeah, and for someone who's who's not me to to be uh, admitting that on this pod, I think that's something. I think for me to admit it, given given the abuse that I normally give you for being a Palace fan, um, yeah, it's it, it's actually not a bad price, and it's it's actually quite tempting given given the fact that he is he is your main man, so you know a, a lot goes through him, and therefore he's always quite involved. Um, I I suppose the risk is that. There's, there's always that risk of a transfer away from Palace and I, I don't know if any Premier League clubs would cough up for him, but I mean, I, I know that's putting daggers right through your it's, heart. It's okay. I've, <laughs> I've been I've been preparing myself for him to leave for the last like five years running and it's, and every time Steve Parrish just gives him a new contract with more money, or at least that works until like last summer when there was the big the big saga that never <laughs> no, never came to anything. Um, I, I agree. I don't know if there are any teams in the Prem that would go for him at this point. Yeah. But he's having he's having more of a season that would make you want to sign him. Particularly after last season, I just couldn't see where he would go because uh, he didn't play well enough. To, quite simply, this year he looks like he's enjoying himself more. I don't know if that's him playing for a move or if he is actually enjoying this this sort of the way Palace have been lifted with the new signings and you know we're playing, I guess, with a bit more fluidity. And he's he's at the heart of that and. But yeah, if he does decide he wants to leave Palace, there are clubs overseas that might be interested for one reason or another. Dortmund will in quite heavily, I think, a year or two back, and fortunately that never came to anything. So there is there is a slight risk of a move away, but I don't think it's that much of a danger at this point. So that's that's one that I, w- I would dabble in, at least. Probably not to any huge extent. Final one, do we want to talk about Hakim Ziyech, just to carry on the, the sort of Chelsea thing? <laughs> No, I think we've done enough for Chelsea this week. Um, okay, fair we, enough. We might have to name it the Chelsea podcast. <laughs> it, to be fair, it is getting that way a little bit, isn't it? Cool. Well, yeah. I mean, there are, there are a few players there we've we've picked up on the on the launch pad. Some of the mo- most interesting ones that we found. So hopefully, everyone has enjoyed this. Is a very a very big change of direction from the way the pod has been previously, where it has been solely match day markets. Now we have something else to look to, to look at. We don't want to ignore the matchday markets totally, and we, we certainly won't be doing that um, for the longer term. But at the moment, we actually don't have prices on on the players for the weekend's games, so there's really not a whole lot we can say on that. So we'll say revisit it uh, next week. When next week we'll probably be re- recording on Monday again, right, Jay, ahead of the Champions League. But we'll have prices there for the Champions League players, so we can we can then maybe look into that a little bit. God, I forgot Champions League was back already. Great news. Yep. Um, yeah. and yes that's when we are more than likely to be recorded on a Monday night to get it out um, in time for the uh, in time for the Tuesday Champions League games everyone uh, thank you for tuning in obviously we hope you're you're enjoying the career markets as much as we are and we will catch up with you all next week take care 